Real leaders leave a legacy. They capture the hearts and minds of their teams. Their origin story puts the safety and well-being of their people first. Great companies ubiquitously have safe yet productive operations. For those companies, safety is an investment, not a cost for the C-suite. It's a real topic of daily focus. This is The Safety Guru with your host, Eric McCroskey, a globally recognized ops and safety guru, public speaker, and author. Are you ready to leave a safety legacy? Your legacy success story begins now. Hi, and welcome to The Safety Guru. Today, I'm very excited to have with me Kevin Calloway. He's a, a fantastic researcher, speaker, uh, and university professor at St. Mary's in the space of occupational health and psychology uh, at St. Mary's. He's also, uh, he has key roles. He'll talk about it very shortly with a CN research facility there. Uh, so Kevin, welcome to the show. Uh, really excited to have you with me. You've got some fantastic research on the leadership side of safety. So important. Uh, but maybe to get started, tell me a little bit about your journey and how you got into uh, this passion for safety. Sure. Okay. Uh, well, thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, how did I get into safety? Uh, it, it's funny. There's a joke among amongst researchers that we, mm -hmm. we research things that are of of some sort of personal relevance to us, right? So, yeah. So, so uh, I I always go back to I grew up in a coal mining town, mm. and if you live in a coal mining town, we're very much a single industry town dominated by a coal mine. Um, and if if you grow up in that environment, uh, you become very sensitized to issues of safety. Of course, um, because there, there were uh, when I when I was a, a kid and in school, uh, there were several major sort of disasters, um, you know, that just highlighted the role of safety. Mm -hmm. And then as I went on in my studies, I sort of put that away uh, and, and didn't think about it too much uh, more until, uh, I guess, my first job as a professor. Uh, I was doing research. I, I did research mainly on stress, and I worked uh, with labor unions. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was a a very prominent union researcher, a guy named Mike Gordon from the, from the States. Uh, and I heard him give a talk once saying, you know, if, if researchers supported unions, what they should really do is look at collective agreements mm. and use that as a guide. Interesting. Plans. Yep. Research the kind of things that unions are interested in. Of course, safety is a big one. Um, and then I had a, a student who was interested in safety, uh, uh, Tara Cree, who's now Dr. Tara Cree, um, and for her master's thesis, she did a, a, a project on, on safety. And, and the striking finding for me in, in her project was that when you looked at, we were looking at what predicted whether people became involved in safety programs mm -hmm. and things like that. And the, the strongest predictor of uh, their perception of risk and whether they got involved was, was actually their perception of leaders. Interesting. And that, that was even much stronger than their perception of, uh, or, or their own accident history. Hmm. You know, I would have, yeah. people had accidents, had injuries at the workplace, they'd be more likely to see it as risky, more likely to get involved in safety. But a much stronger effect was if, if I thought my supervisor uh, was interested in safety, then I was much more likely to get involved in safety. Interesting. And that, <laughs> yeah, and that's sort of, think about, wow, how powerful is this? Right that it even sort of overwrites your own experience. That's incredible. 
And I'm assuming yeah. as well the experience of those around you that, that the role of that supervisor is really essential, in, in other words, and the leaders. Right, and, and your co-workers. Mm -hmm. So we're very much guided by the people around us. Uh, and as we've gone on with, with research focusing specifically on, on leaders, you know, it, um, the, the truism I always use in, in giving talks on this and, and, and in doing leadership training is if my boss cares about safety, then I care. Right. And if, I'm, and if my boss doesn't care about safety, I don't care either. Yeah, interesting. So, so that gets a great segue into uh, a lot of the work you've done around uh, leadership. Um, and, and when we, we first spoke, you had great concepts around uh, what is really a leadership model for, for safety? What are the key elements you want to see? Can you share maybe a little bit more in terms of what, what that looks like? Yeah, well, th this was really key, I, th I think. And, um, I, I always say, you know, say, the problem with safety leadership is it's a lot like the weather. Everybody talks <laughs> about it and nobody does anything about it. Um, and and that, that was true for a long time. I, I'd go to conferences and professional meetings and things like that, and people would be talking about safety leadership, um, but only in the most generic way. So they'd be talking, well, it's important to be a safety leader. Right. And, you know, it's your obligation to be a safety leader and... and, and and, and safety leaders, you know, get better outcomes and things like that. And then you say, well, what is a safety leader? Mm -hmm. what, what are you talking about? What do you want me to do as, as a leader? Yeah. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to, uh, our local workers' compensation group had, had a leadership conference, and, and they invited uh, speakers, uh, and they had a neat idea. They, they took, uh, they invited people who they know from their, their records have had a dramatic impact on safety. Mm -hmm. So they, they invited leaders from different organizations that have, have changed, you know, in some sense, their safety culture um, and asked them to come and basically tell us what they did. So we had leaders who, who you know, had, had reduced their incident rate by 80%. Hmm. And, and when you see that big change, you say, well, what are you doing that right. leads to that? Um, so they also invited me, but they didn't want me to talk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They wanted me to take notes, basically. Uh, so my job was to sit there and listen for, for two days uh, and then try to summarize that all in, in a final session. And, and it was fascinating because when you listen, when I listened to, you know, leader after leader from all kinds of industries talking about what they did, I realized they're really talking about the same things. Mm -hmm. So we formulated that in a model we call the safer leadership model. And it, the, the attempt is to identify the behaviors that result in better safety outcomes. So SAFER is an acronym, mm -hmm. and it stands for leaders to speak about safety. Sure. Makes sense. Right? First sort of minimal, minimal entry point is you <laughs> have to be talking about safety. Uh, it, and if you don't talk about safety, people will assume it's not important. Sure. Because if you're a leader in an organization, you talk about what's important. Yeah. So leaders talk about customer service and they talk about productivity and they talk about operational issues. If they don't talk about safety, they're really sending a message saying it's not important. Mm, it makes sense. Uh, so leaders have to act safely. Yep. So they have to sort of be a model themselves of, of what you makes want sense. to see. If you want people to wear PPE, you better be wearing it too. Um, and, and so people are watching what you do. So we say you have to speak about it, you have to act. You have to focus on safety. So I think a, a big problem in organizations is we tend to use safety as a program mm -hmm. 
or the short-term intervention. You know, during NEOSH week, we'll have a safety speaker and we'll have a couple of safety events and we'll give away some safety-themed <laughs> merchandise and, and then that's it for another year. Well, that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. I'm very clear from the speakers as they were talking that safety is an ongoing thing. You have to build it into your your systems and your processes and your operations. Mm -hmm. um, so speak, act, focus. You have to engage others in safety. Makes sense. Right? And I always say, uh, we did a project for about five years. I did a, a safety project in China. Mm -hmm. uh, and every year I, I would go over and we worked with various industries. And one of them was the construction industry. Um, and, and the model at the time for these big high rises, you know, when you, when you landed in Beijing, all you saw was construction right. all over the place. <laughs> and when you went to these workplaces, their model for safety is there would be one safety officer. Huh. And there would be hundreds of employees on site, and that safety officer's job was to be responsible for safety. Well, that won't work. And if something bad happened, <laughs> yeah. then they fired that safety <laughs> officer. Right? Cannot, cannot possibly work. No. Right? You cannot possibly supervise that many people or, or monitor what they're doing. So you really need to get other people involved, and, and especially the people doing the work. We say it all the time. Nobody knows the job as well as the people doing it. Mm -hmm. And that can be really hard for leaders to expect right. um, or to accept because sometimes they've done that job. And they say, well, I did that for 20 years. I know all about it. No, you know about it when you did it. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, five years later, you're doing something else and maybe that job has changed. So we need, really need to get other people involved uh, and to get ideas from everybody and, and uh, engage the entire workforce. And then last but not least, we talk about the role of recognition. Right. We need to tell people when they're doing a good job, <laughs> and when they're doing things. Right. Uh, so, and and safety tends to be very punitive sure. in a sense, right? So that we have uh, safety officers or leaders who walk around the workplace, and if you're not wearing the PPE or you're lifting improperly, they'll call you on it, and you know there might be discipline involved or something like that. Um, but if you're actually doing all the right things, uh -huh. then you'll never hear about it. Right. And that sets up this very weird dynamic, right? So I only know if I'm doing the right thing if nobody's talking to me. <laughs> right? Very bad model. Not a good model at all. <laughs> yeah, so we, we say to leaders, you know, quite frankly, single best thing you can do as a leader in any context is tell three to five people every day they're doing a good job. Right. And that's just as true in safety. Mm -hmm. And it means as a leader, you have to get out of your office and go around the workplace and, and watch for people doing a good job. Mm. And sometimes that's hard to see because it fades in the background. You see the mistakes. Sure. You don't see sure. the people doing things right. Um, but we need to find the people who are doing the right things and tell them about it. And, and when I say tell them, I don't need, I don't need a complicated right. reward system or anything like that. I just need leaders going up to somebody said i saw what you're doing i saw i see that you're wearing your ppe i saw the way you did that lift that's a great job thank you that's all you need to do. I, I love the the simplicity of the behaviors you're talking about um the the one that really connects with me right now is the the, the one on focusing on safety because too often what i see is uh, one organization where um the executive, the CEO talk about safety, they connect with their teams, they share the expectation, they put the focus on a very regular basis that safety is, is how we do business. 
And then you'll see another same industry, different organization, and the CEO only gets involved when something goes wrong. And otherwise, it's the safety's responsibility. They're not driving the strategy around safety like they're driving the strategy around everything else. Uh, and, and generally, outcomes follow that. Yeah. In a lot of organizations, safety sits outside mm -hmm. our normal processes. So there's the way we do our jobs. <laughs> And then there's safety over here, and, and we bring it in when we need it sort of thing. And right. we know that model doesn't work. No. You know, and yeah. you think back to uh, when the, uh, the Deepwater Horizon blew up in the Gulf. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember reading uh, reports later that year that, that the company that operated that platform, their executives were getting bonuses for having yes. one of the best 50 years ever. Yes. And you say, hey, how does that happen, right? This is a big disconnect <laughs> now. Yeah. Uh, between what's going on uh, in, in running our business and then how we manage safety. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the leaders that were speaking at the conference made it really clear you have to start embedding safety into your systems. Yeah, which makes sense. You, you, should, you shouldn't be getting, uh, as a leader, you shouldn't be getting bonuses and, and uh, your performance pay and all that stuff if your safety record is abysmal. This episode of the Safety Guru Podcast is brought to you by Propolo Consulting, the leading safety and safety culture advisory firm. Whether you are looking to assess your safety culture, de develop strategies to level up your safety performance, introduce human performance capabilities, re-energize your BBS program, enhance supervisory safety capabilities, or introduce unique safety leadership training and talent solutions, Propolo has you covered. Visit us at propolo.com. So I, I love that your the behaviors you have are very tangible. It's very easy, not complicated to understand. Am I doing this? Am I not? I don't need to, to read a thesis to understand. Am I, am I recognizing, you said three to five people. Um, am I putting the right level of focus? Am I engaging people? These are very, very simple things. The other part is, is uh, as I understand from our prior conversation, you really drive around getting into observable behavior so you cascade this, this element so I can check to see if you're doing, um, and, and daily reflections. Tell me more about those topics because I think um, those are areas I've played with and, and definitely seen huge res results, and, and, and I love the, this topic. Yeah, so, so safer is sort of, that model is the content of safety. Sure. And then we had to think about, well, how do you change people's uh, behavior? And I really draw a lot on my mentor, uh, Julian Berling at Queen's University, uh, and we did a lot of leadership training uh, mm -hmm. together uh, in the 90s, uh, early 2000s. And one of the things he emphasized is, is the notion of having, A, very specific behavioral goals, mm -hmm. Tell three people a day they're doing a good job. Speak about safety four times a day. You know, something right. very precise like that. Uh, and when it's that precise and that observable, then it builds in a chance for you to, to review every day. Um, I tell leaders, you know, if you're working eight to four, then at two o'clock in the afternoon, I want you to review that checklist. Mm -hmm. uh, say, you know, did I speak about safety four times this day? And I, I purposely say uh, two o'clock because then... If you haven't done it yet, you still have two hours. Right. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And so it's it's recognizing that um, doing anything differently, you know, getting better at safety leadership or, or, or getting better at anything requires really sort of mindful reflection and, and 
and monitoring. It doesn't just happen. Right. right? It's not a magic process. So we, we encourage leaders to set very specific goals. I'm going to talk about safety four times a day and then review every day. Did I do it four times today or not? It's a simple mm -hmm. yes, no question. Right. And if you didn't do it, then go out and try to hit your four. Uh, and if you did do it, then you're good for today. <laughs> you know, move on to tomorrow. It, it's very much if, if, if uh, you know, uh, especially New Year's, everybody sets resolutions. Right. So people, people buy Fitbits or whatever, and they set out <laughs> to walk 10,000 steps a day. Yes. Now, I don't know if you know this, but that is absolute magic. And there is nothing magical about 10,000 steps. It's actually a mistranslation. You probably don't need 10,000 <laughs> steps. But if you set that goal, everyone I've, I've ever talked to who's done this has found themselves at 11 o'clock at night walking up and down their hallway <laughs> at those last steps so they achieve the goal for the day, right? Right. And it's the power of having that very specific number coupled with that review process. And it mm. makes it much more likely that you're going to do that behavior and do it consistently every day. I, I, I think it's a really good analogy. And, and it's there's a degree of I'm measuring, but you're not measuring something that could drive the wrong behavior, like putting a, a goal on an injury rate or putting a, a goal on something that, that could drive, or even observations that could drive something that's not what we intended, but rather yeah. things that will do no harm, right? It, it, there's no harm if you go recognize five people to, today uh, for something they did around safety. Yeah, and, and a lot of what we do in safety can have, you know, sort of unintended consequences. Uh, a lot of lot of organizations, for example, if you if you drive a vehicle and you have an accident, mm -hmm. uh, then they do a mandatory drug test. Yes. And that sounds like a very sensible policy. But if if you talk to employees, what happens oh, yeah. a lot in, in practice is they have a minor accident, they don't report it. And they don't report it now because they don't want the mandatory drug test. Right. So we've actually driven the, the the incidents we're trying to reduce. We've we haven't reduced them. We've just driven them underground, so we don't know about them. And, and so in, in those goals, um, it, you're really sharing ideas that I self-reflect and I set those goals. Uh, do you have you had some success around cascading goals, uh, working with a leader and cascading any, and any guidance around this since we're talking about New Year's resolution and and some ideas around goals and, and how do you how do you drive it? Is there is there some value in driving this or is this really something where you've seen the most profound effect when it's a personalized commitment? Yeah, it, it's uh, in, in doing uh, leadership training in organizations. Hmm. One of the things I've noticed, like like anybody, we've had successes and failures in, in doing right. training and the, the characteristic of when it's been a real success in organizations and we've seen major changes is when everybody is involved. Mm -hmm. From the from the top leader down to the frontline supervisor, they're all in the training, they're all, they're all making goals. Um, you know, the, the senior leaders are sitting in on, on the training as well and setting goals. And, and in my favorite example, you know, the, the VP in charge showed up to every session to say to the group of leaders there, this is what we're doing. Right. Right. This is what we're doing from now on. This is the way we're mm. going to do this. This is not a passing fad. As, as long as I'm here, this is what we're doing. And mm. then in, in one session, he sat in he, just as a participant, but in every session, one of the senior leaders was there to deliver that same message. 
that's when it seems to have real power and you're changing right. the culture of the workplace. Um, I think it, you can have a more limited effect individually. Uh -huh. You know, if I decide just this is something I'm going to take on, I heard this podcast, there were some interesting ideas, I'm going to try it out, uh, you'll have an effect on the, the people in your immediate vicinity. Um, uh -huh. But it's when every leader in an organization is taking it on that's when you start to see, you know, real, really large-scale change. And, and it really links back to small changes every day, tiny habits, uh, whichever book you pick up that talks about small, small habits you implement, like the Fitbit, is, is yeah. trying to, to, to uh, I, I just had that experience this morning uh, because my Apple Watch was telling me I hit a certain goal, so it's time to up my oh. goal for next week uh, for, for, yeah. for, from an activity and calorie standpoint. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so that monitoring, that measurement that a lot of people are doing now around fitness, uh, it really, you know, it does have a motivational effect, just having that goal, mm -hmm. right? And, and it makes it more likely you're going to do the behavior. As a result of that, that's going to have some, you know, downstream effects in terms of, of what safety in, in your workplace actually looks like. So, so I think this is a great topic for, for leaders listening into the, the show is really love the safer model just in terms of what are the behaviors that I should be trying to, to demonstrate on a regular basis and really setting those small goals and checking in every day. Uh, I used to say check in every week if you're too busy. And I had a similar example where somebody set a goal for themselves. And for them, it was every Thursday at the end of the day. They, they put in their calendar saying, I'll check how many recognitions I've given around safety. And if I'm not satisfied with that number, I'm going to go make it up on Friday. But I think your idea of every day at 2 p.m. is even better because is that frequency, is that check-in of, of how am I doing and how do I close that, that goal? So great, great concept. Yeah. And, and much like you and your Apple Watch, you know, <laughs> we, we say to leaders, I can give you the behavior. Right. Okay? Recognize other people for safety. You have to pick the number. Yeah. So because depending on your personality, it, it might seem like an incredibly hard thing to do to recognize one person. Right. Maybe that's so far out of your your comfort zone that that, that is, is incredible. <laughs> well, okay, let's start with one then. Right. And if you say to me, well, I already recognize, you know, four people a day, well, then let's make it five people a day or let's switch our focus to another goal that you can add to that. Sure. So we try, try to work with leaders wherever they are. You know, we don't set some impossible standard. You have to go run a marathon. <laughs> say, okay, well, let's, let's just say we're going to start with 30 minutes of walking today. Sure. Right? Exactly. And take people from where they are. And, and, and I like it because it ties back to the, uh, to the acronym. We're not trying to make you the safest leader, just yeah. safer. Just yeah. a little more than you are yes. now. Baby steps. And, and, and our says that's enough. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I love the simplicity. I, I love how easily it can be action. And I love how it gives you the reminder. And there's so many parallels you can you can take from, from a fitness standpoint that really show that that's, that's a good model to, yeah. to drive forward. I, I'd love to, to pivot. I, I think uh, you've, you've shared some great ideas, very actionable ones around leadership. I'd love to, to touch on really the link between mental well-being and safety. So we've had a few guests talk about those, those topics. Um, what tends to happen in a lot of organizations is 
HR looks after mental well-being, if, if anybody does. And then on another side of the house, safety, a bit like you talked about before, looks out at the safety side. So love to hear a little bit in terms of how do we break down that silo and, and why should we? Yeah, and, and, and it's an, an incredible how thick those walls are oh, yeah. in many organizations. Uh, I've done quite a bit of work on, on the notion of a healthy workplace and, and improving the psychologically healthy workplace. And you almost invariably find you're not talking to the safety people anymore, mm -hmm. that it's two different uh, organizational structures that don't talk to each other. Um, and, and you start saying, well, wait a minute, this, this is all a piece of one thing. Sure. Right. It's all about uh, employee well-being and keep, keeping them both safe and healthy um, and, and trying to contribute to their safety and, and well-being. And, and the notion that we separate it just doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and in some cases, I think safety people, um, because they work in that space of trying to change behaviors, um, are, are used to the topic and should mm -hmm. be taking on more, more health-oriented things as well. And frankly, I think there's some resistance there that people want to deal with what they know about. Sure. Um, and I, I think that's that's a barrier that we have to work on. Um, but also segmenting health and safety just doesn't seem to work for me. Mm -hmm. um, so we get this move toward a, um, you know, a greater attention to health, mental health in the workplace. And, and I think one of the effects of segmenting it this way is we have tended in that mental health space to focus on trying to change individuals. So we teach people to manage their stress and we do lunchtime yoga or mindfulness or, you know, whatever we do. But again, it's what I just said doesn't work in terms of safety. Uh, it, it doesn't work to have these programs, uh -huh. you know, that are sporadic. You need real change in the workplace. I think the same is true in mental health. Uh, and in particular, you know, organizations should be looking at, uh, again, to draw on safety language, what are the root causes of, of mental ill health that are in the workplace? What is the workplace doing to contribute uh, to somebody's lack of well-being? And how can we fix that? So stop trying to change the individual, right. but focus more on, on the workplace conditions. The, the, the system, the context in which people are operating. And, uh, and have you seen organizations that have broken down those silos effectively that have found ways to, to, to bring the linkage? Because we've had some guest speakers even on the show talking about how if I'm not well from a mental well-being standpoint, I'm also more prone to getting injured that day uh, because I may not have as much focus on the, on the task at hand um, and things of that nature. So really speaking about how that, th those two items are really intertwined, interrelated, yeah. that even if you want to improve safety performance, you probably also, in some industries particularly, need to start looking at mental well-being as well. Yeah, and, and you know, that's, at least from the research literature, that's almost a new recognition, that, that idea that right. you know, your mental health and, and uh, you know, those traditional metrics of incidents or injuries at work are interrelated. Uh, so a colleague of mine, Nick Turner, at, at University of Calgary in the business school there, uh, he's done some really interesting work looking at the relationship between mental health um, and, and safety outcomes. And, and the data suggests that they are there. Interesting. So just 
and and sort of you know we can look at both sides of that. If people are getting injured, uh, they're more than like more than likely to be anxious uh-huh. or depressed. You know, and and certainly anyone who works in the return to workspace will tell you, um, you know, somebody injures their back, say on the job site, and then can't go back to their regular job. At least half of what's going to keep them off is the depression resulting from that. Sure. You know, if you have an injury that that is is life changing in the sense that you cannot go back to what you the job that you knew, and the job that you trained for, um, not surprisingly, people get depressed about that. Yeah, and that, that feeds into the amount of time you're actually off work. Right? Absolutely, which makes makes it makes perfect sense. So, so what would you, uh, what, what would be some of the ideas to help get the safety professionals to explore better partnerships, maybe with HR or at least better interventions that that touch on both yeah i i think you know those walls can be so thick i think the first step is to get get those two groups talking to each other uh and and understanding each other Mm -hmm. right and i think safety brings a lot to the table in the sense that uh, people in safety are used to analyzing risks and and looking at things from a risks perspective looking at the environment you know, very common in safety to look around and say, well, if somebody's going to get hurt, how are they going to get hurt? Right? Let's identify the conditions that lead sure. to that. I think that's a valuable perspective to bring to the the mental health arena too. Interesting. Right? So if we're damaging people psychologically, how are we doing that? Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, is there something better we can do or can we stop doing that? Or Absolutely. Can we protect people better? Right. Great. So, so really appreciate you, Kevin, coming on the show, Kevin. Uh, you've shared some some great, really actionable ideas from a leadership standpoint, um, and also in terms of how do you drive change uh, within the organization. And then uh, finally, this this is a really important topic around mental well being and linking linking and better connections from a safety standpoint. Uh, thank you for taking the time to to join us. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's what's the best way to to do that? The easiest way is uh, I'm at St. Mary's University. Uh, my email is uh, kevin.kellaway, K-E-L-L-O-W-A-Y, at smu.ca. Great. Um, that's the easiest way to reach me, and I'm on email all the time because I have no life. <laughs> and you've written lots of books over the years, shared lots of ideas, do uh, a lot of research. So really appreciate you sharing a couple of really important topics with, with our listeners today. Thank you. Thank you. Like what we do? Share this on your socials and tell everyone. Thank you for listening to the Safety Guru on C-Suite Radio. Leave a legacy. Distinguish yourself from the pack. Grow your success. Capture the hearts and minds of your teams. Fuel your future. Come back in two weeks for the next episode or listen to our sister show with the Ops Guru, Eric McCroskey.